Y'all know we love a good conspiracy. So here's a new one. This one is from Chi Town Fanboy, who tweeted at the Cleveland Guardians. So the Browns are currently playing football on a field that has had tons of rain. And it looks like it's not a problem. This seems intentional. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. If the Twitter handle Chai Town fanboy didn't give it away, that White Sox fan feels like this rain delay, which led to a postponement, was intentional. Now, Zach, you've got the conspiracy meter over there. Can you plug <laughs> this in and tell me, was this intentional? What do we think? Give me one second to input the data. Beep, boop, 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 beep, beep, beep. Wait, actually, it's actually just a magic eight ball. <laughs> Uh, it says, ask again later. <laughs> trying to avoid Dylan Cease at all cost. That's all, that's all they were trying to do. And never mind the fact that this will be their 12th postponement. 10 of them coming at home. Yeah, I'm sure that was intentional. Just as intentional as Tony LaRusso thinks that every ball inside to a White Sox hitter must be on purpose. <laughs> okay. I know for a fact... There were some people in the organization who were not thrilled that Elton John was performing at Progressive Field. I think it was a Saturday, and then the team played at home on Monday, back a few weeks ago. I can I don't know this for sure because I haven't talked to him in years because he's the most terrifying person on earth. But the team's head groundskeeper, I'm sure was absolutely livid that they had any sort of concert or any human being aside from uh, the nine players on each team step foot on the uh, on the grass. But, yeah, you avoid Dylan Cease, who's like maybe the number two uh, Cy Young candidate in the American League. So maybe people won't be too upset that Elton John cost them a game. Do you like Elton John? What's your, you got an Elton John song that you like? Uh, I respect him, but I don't listen to Elton John music, no. Tiny Dancer? You seem like a Tiny Dancer guy. Do I? Is that what I, is that what I seem like? I don't know. Cleveland seems to kick around the good pitchers. So maybe Cease avoided the Guardians. Maybe <laughs> that's really what happened here. He looked at all that contact in that lineup. He wanted nothing to do with that. He said, please, please let this get washed out. Someone told me at one point last year, because these every rain out inevitably results in a thousand people saying, get a retractable roof. Someone told me last year that, that they looked into that at some point, but it would have cost like almost a billion dollars. I don't know if that's legit. <laughs> I'm but, sorry, did you say... With a B? Yeah, and I I don't know why. Oh, goodness. I guess because you built a particular ballpark not suitable for a roof, so you'd have to make a ton of adjustments. I don't know. I mean, I never reported and somehow, it because it could also just be bullshit. <laughs> so we throw it out on the show. No one's listening anyway. That's conspiracy theories. With the way that the, the signage change went when they changed to Guardians, the roof would also be off-center. <laughs> They'd have to redo that again. <laughs> it's always something. Well, welcome. I'm TJ. That's Zach. Thank you for clicking play. Thank you for joining us. If you're new here, and uh, according to the numbers, we do have a few new listeners, so thank you for joining us. 
If you'd like more episodes of the podcast, where can they find it, Zach? Podbean. Mm. Still true. iHeartRadio, yeah, we're on there. Oh. A few other places. iHeart New York. Do you, though? Do no, you? honestly, not really. Patreon. <laughs> we have a Patreon. Uh, you can get a weekly episode. It's just a buck. 20 nickels. 100 pennies. You could cut a $2 bill in half. Mail it to TJ. And then you get access to the Discord, too, which is always on fire. I enjoy it greatly. You know what we haven't done in a long time, though, is give some love to some five-star reviews at Apple Podcast. And we've gotten quite a few of them as the season has unfolded, but I haven't really even looked at this in a while. But (laughs) I have to give shouts to Gebs, to Yay is the Goat, to The Real... Futarius, Futorius, we still don't know. M. Lothar. And I love the uh, the title of that. Five-star review is, This Diaper Needs No Change. <laughs> Great podcast, more fake wrestling intros needed. Adam, with a bunch of numbers behind you. Golden Grams, 33. DA, 2185. And E. Schlans, way back in April, gave us a five-star review. So thank you to all of you that have left us some five-star reviews. You know, you may not have commended those people, but I bought several of them beers at Progressive Field. And uh, do you still have money left in the bank account or no? We're, the well's running dry. Mm, that's why I was more curious about. Yeah, If someone it's comes tough. up to you and says, I have left one. Here recently, do I get my beer? I wasn't going to say it if that opportunity was running dry. It was a pricey homestand. And the Great Lakes concession is the closest to the press box. Proximity to the elevator. You know, we do a lot of work in the press box. There's a lot to... You can only slip out for a couple (laughs) minutes. So choose the most convenient concession stand to meet at. And of course, it's the one where... The beers are not cheap. (laughs) Well, if you, again, are new to the show, Zach once offered to buy our listeners who leave five-star reviews or become Patreon supporters a beer, and he did that when we had, like, hundreds of people listening. Now that it's in the thousands, he greatly regrets that. But I chuckled at the (laughs) lots of work getting done in the press box. I, I just imagined, remember when Ryan takes over as Michael's boss? (laughs) <laughs> and he says, Michael, I know what happens <laughs> at this office. I know how much work doesn't get done. That is me sitting here today listening to you talk about how much work gets done in a press box. That's what it reminds me of. And there's no worse day than when it's a long rain delay. I don't know what it is. Ryan Lewis and I talk about this. We've talked about it, what, 12 times this year. For some reason, it's, I don't know if it's the uncertainty of when the game might start, but I mean, you sit there through a three-hour rain delay, you're not doing three hours of work. You're wasting time. Just like all the people (laughs) in the ballpark sitting in their seats or sitting in the seats under the overhang, staying dry and just destroying their phone battery. Only to be told to go home. When you were in school and you had a snow day, did you catch up on homework or did you sit there and play Goldeneye for five hours? Mm Mm-hmm. Goldeneye. Were you a big multiplayer guy? Yeah. Remember the level where, like, it's just snow? Like, you can't see anything but snow? <laughs> yes. Yes. I always struggled with that one. You go slappers only? No <laughs> weapons? Mm-hmm. Only fists? <laughs> yeah, there was nothing quite like setting up all your proximity minds and then watching the screen of your friend to see where they were at. And you just see the one guy with his hand on the watch in his quadrant of the screen, hmm. waiting for your friends to enter that area, and then beep, and then curse words start flying. Now, were people more upset? Were there more curse words seeing that play out? Or watching every Miles Straw played appearance here of Ooh. late? Which one has caused people more strife? Okay, so 
I, I wrote about this a little bit from Monday morning, and I texted you during my writing process because something came to my mind. You know, we spend so much time talking about... I mean, like, the main crux of the issue there is, does the defense outweigh the lack of productivity at the plate? And Terry Francona says yes, but you can even tell, like, he's given it consideration. I think the fact that Will Benson has been in the starting lineup a little bit is something. You know, it's like nobody else was playing center field. I mean, maybe Stephen Kwan, like, once or twice a month, the first few months of the season. But you've brought up a couple you brought up one really good point, which was if you believe Miles Straw can be the hitter he was in the second half last year, you keep playing him. Um, if you don't believe if you believe that was a fluke, well, you probably wouldn't have given him the contract extension in the first place. But the thing that I can't quite wrap my head around is if you just look at the metrics and you look at his profile versus Stephen Kwan's profile. They're pretty similar. You know, high contact, really good chase rate, really good swinging strike rate, but just never hit the ball with authority. So why is it that that profile has Quan threatening to win AL Rookie of the Year and has Straw threatening absolutely nobody? Maybe a few Yankee fans be, be on the wall in New York. <laughs> Outside of that, you know, look at their uh, batting average on balls in play. You mentioned the comparison between the two, and I think that's fascinating. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a, a simple diagnosis, and I also don't think it's a one-to-one perfect comp, but it's interesting. But just the batting average on balls in play between those two guys, uh, to say that it's a little bit different would be a massive understatement. Stephen Kwan. This year, rocks a 328 batting average on balls in play. Now, as I said in the Discord, not all batting average on balls in play is created equal. If you put the ball in play a lot and you're satisfied with singles and you aren't necessarily loading up to hit home runs, you might run a higher BABIP than a guy that is a power hitter because the guy that's the power hitter is, is playing a, a bit of a, a probability game here and thinking, okay, I'm going ch- to change out some of my chances to go get a single because I'm trying to hit fly balls and I'm trying to pull them in the air. If I miss it and I don't barrel one of those balls, it's going to be a lot easier to turn that into an out than a low line drive. Even a, a ground ball you know, in the infield, if it's hit hard, it probably has a 50-50 chance of reaching the outfield because it's either hit at the infielder or not hit at the infielder. So you might see a, a guy that hits a lot of ground balls maybe have a higher BABIP depending on some other things taking place. So I don't think it's, it's easy to just say, it's always luck, or you can't always compare hitters. But Stephen Kwan, 328. Miles Straw, I've delayed it long enough, 240. How does a guy that puts the ball in play that much run a 240 Babbitt? That's difficult. It seems difficult. So I'm willing to concede not the entire picture here, but there's probably some bad luck at play for, for Straw this year. Are you okay with him? Starting in center field as often as he has? Yes, for the most part. Maybe here and there I'm okay with giving Benson a look. But I am under the belief that he is more of the guy we saw last year than he's the guy that we see this year. I'm Not even that he is a, a league average bat, but I do I think he is like, at worst, a guy that can run a 75 to 80 WRC+. plus. I do. And if he's that, then I'm living with that because the defense in center field is beyond elite. It's among the best in baseball. You know, I talked to someone today. We were talking about Stephen Kwan and how he's been elite defensively in left field. And they brought up unprovoked that they think he would be just as good in center. If that was the case, that would provide this team with so much more. It would just like fit, the pieces would fit together better. You know, you could play Oscar Gonzalez every day in right, and then you could play whoever you wanted in left, you know, 
Jones, Brennan, Benson, eventually Valera. And Straw could be like a fourth outfielder, defensive replacement, play a couple times a week, pinch runner, which I think suits his skill set better, you know, especially if he's hitting like this. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if that's the case. I also know that having both of them in the outfield is really valuable. Um, I mean, you might have a gold glove winner in center and in left. That's nuts. But, so I I don't know. I You know, right this second, if they're dead set on Quan and left, then they don't really have great alternatives. You know, Will Benson, I don't think you can count on him to come in and play five times a week and excel in center field. I just, you know, he's had, he's been a slow um starter at pretty much every level throughout his career. I think this experience is great for him. You know, let him be in the major leagues. Let him see what that's like. Play him a couple times a week. That's great. Maybe he pops a home run. Maybe he draws a walk. Maybe he beats out an infield single. But playing him a lot in center field right now, I don't know if that's the answer. And who else is there? I mean, Will Brennan, maybe. I don't know how he is defensively. Um, But, you know, with any of these candidates, you are going to make defensive sacrifices so I there's not an easy answer I I think a big part of this too is because you also have a black hole at catcher and you've said this many times it's like there's a big difference I think you can live with one of those black holes at the bottom of your lineup but when you have both it's just it's such a rally killer and it's also you know you're you can only pinch hit for so many people right you know, if you want to pinch it yeah. for your catcher, you can do that once because then the backup's going to come in and you probably don't want him hitting in a key situation late in the game either. And, you know, if you got to pinch hit for your center fielder, that might cost you two people because you might not want to pinch hit him with the mm. guy who's going to take over in center. So, you know, it's just like this maybe becomes a more I mean, interesting just... conversation next season too. If Bo Naylor is your catcher and he's producing. Uh. <laughs> How did you know? Reading my mind. I said this would get a lot more simple. We just call it Bo Naylor because then you have a catcher that you don't have to pinch hit for. Maybe. And uh, then you can just use all your pinch hitters for center field. But I think it's a complicated thing with straw. I don't I don't know that it's like, uh, well, in all ways you evaluate this, it's kind of complicated. Because in the Discord, there was a conversation about this. And I said, you're really having two, two questions here that you're asking. And you have to, to figure out which one is the more pertinent question. Do you think that it's, is he as bad as he is now? Because that's a different conversation than we think he's better and we're going to play him so that he gets back to being the impactful, valuable center fielder that he, we thought he was when we signed him. And they didn't sign this guy. They signed the guy that they thought that he was. So if you, if you had that belief and you offered the him the extension, I don't even think that what we've seen up to this point is enough that they would be drastically shifting their their minds here. I, I still think they would be under the belief that he is more of the guy he was last year than he was this year. But if you're going to say that he is, what he is now is closer to, to what he is, and then you have the conversation about whether or not it makes sense to play him, that changes things drastically. Because then I change my answer. If if this is what he is, if he's like a 50, what is he, 57 WRC plus right now? Ugh. He's, if he's that bad, then yeah, it's kind of hard to justify his place in center field. Even if he is as good defensively as he's been. But my whole point is, I don't think he is this guy. So why is that the case? That's what I'm more fascinated by. How do you get him back to being more of what he was last year? Because he, he could change games last year with his speed, on base ability, and of course with the defense. And he fits the mold of the type of hitter that this team has accumulated. And that Chris Valeka has had a lot of success working with. So it's surprising that you know there haven't been many stretches where you're like, there's the guy. There he is. That's the 2021 straw we remember. That's the guy who they wanted hitting leadoff early this season. You know, it makes me think too, where would this team be without Stephen Kwan? 
if or Andres Quan... or Josh Naylor. Yeah, but <laughs> like you just keep. But with Quan, it's like, you know, when it, it when it became evident that Straw needed to be hitting ninth and not first, if Quan was still doing what he did in May, who would be hitting leadoff? Rosario. I think they would they put Jimenez second at that point, or would he still be hitting like seventh or tenth or whatever he bats now? Yeah. <laughs> Might still be Miles Straw. <laughs> right? As awful as that is to think about. So I looked you you asked me the question about what separates Quan and, and Straw. So I, I dug in very briefly as I was trying to put my, my daughter to bed as I was laying on the floor waiting for her to go to sleep. So I'm looking at the fangrass pages trying to think. What could it be? Initially, I thought maybe Straw is hitting too many fly balls because I, I don't want him hitting tons of fly balls. He doesn't hit the ball hard enough. Those are going to be lazy flies if he's hitting the ball in the air. It's not like the uh, <laughs> the movement that took over many years ago, get the ball in the air. That's not true for every hitter. But he's not like drastically different from where Juan is. In, in terms of that, the only difference that I see is fewer line drives. And as I mentioned to you, he is someone that uh, it's not as simple as looking at the sweet spot percentage on baseball savant, but to give you an idea of what that is, that's that launch angle that gets you above the infielders, but also maybe avoids those pop-ups that are easy to translate into outs. You're looking for that sweet spot in your launch angle where you can do damage. It's either going to be a single or it could turn into a home run, a double, extra base hits. He was really good at, at maximizing his launch angle last year, and it's like a 10 percentage point drop this year. Fewer optimized launch angle contact, and maybe it's just a, a matter of fewer line drive singles. Didn't we see him just come on and slash the ball everywhere last year? Do you ever see him just slash the ball around? It's always nope. a, just a dribbler or a pop-out. Where's the guy that was just hitting those laser line drives? Because that's what Stephen Kwan does. Just line drives all over the place. That's what keeps the Babbitt high. It's above the shortstop and in front of the left fielder. Conspiracy. Could Miles Straw have been... Ad- <laughs> Could he have been abducted? This is someone else in his body? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't have any evidence that it didn't happen, so I can't completely rule it out. Do you think there's any validity to my very briefly, poorly thought out theory that maybe he's actually effing around too much with contact? That he's trying not to strike out? That he's trying to put the ball in play? You want him to strike out, out more? <laughs> Well... Last year, he struck out 19% of the time. And he was a much better hitter than where he's at this year. This is a career low as far as strikeouts go. 14.6%. Not quite Stephen Kwan territory of 9%, but puts the ball in play. But maybe he is just so concerned with avoiding the strikeouts and putting the ball in play that he's just not loading up and slashing the ball seems really simplistic, but that's all I can come up with well, right now. Well, his walk rate, I don't have it off. Oh, I do have it off the top of my head. I, it, it's down to 3% in August, and it was 14%, I believe, in April. It's gone down every single month. So, I mean, is that just pitchers are saying, you know what? <laughs> You're not going to do any damage with the pitches in the strike zone, and you have a really good eye at the plate. Why would I throw you strikes? Or... Why would I throw you anything outside of the strike zone? Yeah, 14% in April, 13.5 in May, 8.7 in June, 6.2 in July, 3.3 in August. So clearly, like, the book is out. Pitchers are figuring this out more and more. Just throw him strikes. He's not going to do damage on them. He doesn't have a home run. His slugging percentage is 260. Like, it's pretty simple. You know, worst case scenario is he hits a single. Maybe a double to the gap that he hustles out of the box on. But it's, it's. I mean, he's got 15 stolen bases. So you see the value in what you're talking about. If he can get back to anything close to what he was last year, I mean, he can be a guy who steals 
35 to 40 bases. And then he walks a lot. And you pair a decent on-base percentage with a lot of stolen bases, elite defense, that's a really valuable player and someone worth the five-year extension that he got. But right now, it's tough to watch. But What if he tried to bunt for a hit every time he went up? Sure. The Billy Hamilton approach? Just put it in play softly in the infield. How many times would he have to do that in a row before everybody on the defense just went there? Five times? Ten times? It'd have to be multiple games in a row for sure. <laughs> I'll be playing the long game. Keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it until one key spot, and then finally you just go the other way and swing away. <laughs> I keep like I can't stop thinking about in my head, like yeah, like the defense just like very slightly adjusting a little bit each time. Third baseman comes in a little bit more. Shortstop shifts over a little bit more, and then like the thirteenth time in a row then they're like all right forget this we're moving in that's when he slaps a single <laughs> past him yeah i think you if you really commit to it and you continue to do it while the defense is all over there then eventually they will just say he's just gonna keep doing it and that's when you save that in your back pocket for when you really really need it if he bunted every time every time how often would he reach i mean his on base percentage right now is only two seventy nine going. <laughs> so so would it? He beat it. Do you think he would walk more? Because when when you know someone is trying to bunt, do you just throw fastballs and let them bunt, or do you try to throw them something that they'll pop up the bunt? So maybe you throw a high fastball a little out of the zone, or do you throw a breaking ball? Yeah, yeah maybe. I I don't know. It's fascinating. I'm kind of wanting to see it now. This is not where I thought I'm, today's I'm just, episode was going. This is off the rails. I'm just envisioning the bat waggle that you would see in Little League. 3-0 pitch, throw the bat waggle out there. Get out of here. Dude can barely command anywhere close. Yeah, Tony LaRusso's over there going, that 11-year-old should know how to command better. <laughs> okay, old man. I will say, though, I mean, I every time, because look, I, I get it. Like, everyone who is complaining about straw at the plate like it's it's like historically bad for as often as he plays but every single time that there is a ball hits a center that you're like "Uh oh that's trouble or he doesn't deliver during a key spot like the very next inning he's throwing out a runner at the plate or he's making a diving catch like he doesn't screw up ever defensively so i'm not saying that that outweighs his offensive pitfalls but it is it's some really good center field play really really good it's impressive it's you know a lot of times defenses you notice the highlight reel catches which don't always tell you something because sometimes like a guy could run a bad route and then still make a diving catch and you're like oh my god um or you know jump up in the air and snag one well a lot of times that's because he didn't get back quick enough um, so, so for a lot of times, like the offensive line where you notice more when they screw up, he, I, he never does. You know, I don't, I can't think of a single time this year where like he cost this team with his glove. And I know it's, it's a nice feeling to have for the manager. I know the pitching staff is grateful for him. So he deserves that recognition as well. Cause yes, the offense is the thing that we notice more. Um, but the guy's as good as it gets defensively in center, and that shouldn't get lost. I think if you're talking about that level of defense, then it matters. Yeah. Because I was of the belief that you don't have to play an elite guy out there in center field. Doing it, playing a guy that's like passable and good out there just for the sake of doing it is not worth it if you're not getting anything offensively. However, it's a different conversation when you're talking about a guy as we've said before on this show, you have the metric defensive run saved, and there are times where you, you look at it and you think, oh, look at this guy. He's got four or five, and maybe it didn't register in your head that he's having a good defensive year, but the numbers will say that he is. 
And then there's Miles Straw, where I can just sit here and, and just start off the top of my head recalling plays where he actually saved a run. You physically see the runs being saved as compared to someone who's just solid at their position and over time they have saved a few runs. There's also metrics that um, oh, Mark, the, the company Mark Simon is associated with has this. Sports Info Solutions. Uh, yeah, yes. They track not just throws on getting a guy out with a throw, but also the throws that keep a guy from stretching a single into a double. A guy going an extra base by hitting your cutoff man or having an accurate throw to a, a strong, accurate throw, getting to it quickly. Those should be taken into account, too, because they can be just as valuable as throwing a guy out, keeping a guy at the base that he's currently at. So these are all of the areas that Miles Straw excels at. It's, but it's just painful when he's hitting like this. What if Kenny Lofton couldn't hit? How differently would he have been viewed? He probably would have been left off the Hall of Fame ballot after one year. <laughs> oh, shit, that's uh, what happened guess anyway. Who, guess who leads the league in outfield assists? Stephen Kwan. No, Miles Straw. Dude, oh we've been gosh, talking about Straw it. for the last 20 minutes. You didn't can't realize believe that, that was going to be the answer? I'm shocked. Kwan has seven. Straw has 12. Hunter Renfro's next with 10. Bunch of players with nine. It's like it's not even close. And it's he, he doesn't have a cannon, but I don't know. I didn't think we'd be spending so much time talking about outfield defense. That's <laughs> no. not really my forte. No. It's like 30 minutes devoted to Miles Straw. I did not intend for this to happen. Yeah. Weird but episode. it kind of did. Uh, hold on. Let's slow this down, reverse it, and talk about anything else. What's up with Nolan Jones? Because... Uh, very quietly, they just sent him to the minor leagues. Yeah, so I asked, this is a good discussion. You know, I asked Terry Francona, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, to explain, like, the balance with young players who haven't proven themselves yet. I think Jones, Benson, Freeman... Maybe Gonzalez play into this. I mean, even like Richie Palacios. Guys who... How do you know... Who can, who do you want to play every day AAA? Who do you want to not play every day, but be in the majors? You know, what are, what are the pros and cons to each? Because it's clearly an individual case-by-case thing. And a lot of it depends on just like what you think of a player and their ceiling is. But we've seen examples where a player can sort of force the issue. Stephen Kwan was not going to be playing every single day in April. And he was so impressive that he forced the issue. Um, But it's not easy to do that. You know, Oscar Gonzalez has done that. We've said here for a few weeks, like, he's... They really like him. And they want to see him play every day, see what he can do, and he's excelling with that opportunity. He dude got walked on a one, two count. <laughs> and how about he Tony only... LaRusa after the games? He said, well, he's a 300 hitter. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Yeah. You only see that happen like once a month. Um, but I, I, you know, then Gonzalez capitalizing on that opportunity makes it so that Nolan Jones doesn't have as many opportunities. And Will Benson is only able to play once or twice a week. So you have to determine, you know, everything has a ripple effect. Jimenez, Ramirez, and Rosario play every day. So they felt Tyler Freeman had enough at-bats at AAA where they knew what he was. You know, he's, he's one of these high-contact guys who can maybe hit for a high average and not much power. And he won't strike out much. Kind of fits the mold of what they like. And maybe he'd fit the mold of what other teams like, too, in a trade. But they felt that he'd be an upgrade over Ernie Clement. And so they called him up, and they're not worried about him only playing a few times a week. 
So it's just, it's different with everybody, but it's such a fascinating thing for this team because they have so many guys in that boat. And anytime you call somebody up, you have to examine, you know, are you going to be getting the most out of them? Are they going to benefit from this? Doesn't make more sense to just keep them at AAA. You know, if someone has not been promoted to the majors, that doesn't mean it's because they aren't deserving yet. You know, I think like Will Brennan is probably deserving of a promotion, but where are you going to stick another left-handed outfielder? You know, if if Straw is going to play every day, so it's it's tricky. Um, but some guys I think they feel would benefit more from daily at bats in Columbus. Some guys I think they feel gain some experience and maybe it's not detrimental to their development if they're in the majors and not playing that often. As far as Nolan Jones goes, what I'm more uh, concerned with or interested in, because by the time you listen to this, there'll be some remedy there. We'll know more about what's happening, is the the difference between the Jones we saw in July when he had a 857 OPS. and you know, It was running a high batting average, but was drawing walks, was hitting for power. Month flipped to August, and he's hitting 167, hasn't walked at all this month. His only hits have been singles. So this is someone that their profile is its going to be relying a lot on three true outcomes. Now, he's made some adjustments to his swing to be, to be a little bit more than that, and I certainly don't think anyone with the team or inside the organization is limiting him to just be a three true outcome sort of guy. But I just found it curious that in the month of August, the walks disappeared and so did the power. And that, to me... That's the more fascinating thing here and, and could lead to just wanting to get him back on track at AAA, getting a regular at-bats. If the confidence is shaken at all, I, I can't see that from the outside, but maybe that plays a factor too. I'm curious what they're doing there and who else they might be getting a look at. But, I mean, I get it. He's, he's not fared very well in the month of August at all and, and maybe could use a, a nice little reset here to get him back on track. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week. You know, if they really like Gonzalez and he's done a good job and he's earned daily at-bats in right field, kudos. But what do you do going into next year? You know, Valero will have had, what, six, seven weeks in AAA? Maybe a little more than that. Um, Do you give him a chance to win an opening day roster spot? He seems to be a guy who should be playing every day, wherever he is. Do you, what do you do with Will Brennan? Where does Nolan Jones fit? You know, is Naylor a first baseman or a DH? If he's a first baseman, does that open up spots? Or at bats at DH for one of those guys? If he's a DH, can Nolan Jones play first? A lot of questions here. <laughs> um, and I, you know, we have an off season for them to answer, some of them, but... A lot of outfielders, more so maybe even than the uh, the infield logjam we've been talking about for years. It, I'm curious because the infield has settled down a little bit with Jimenez doing what he's done. In, Ramirez isn't going anywhere at, at third. Naylor looks like your long-term first baseman. And Rosario just keeps plugging along, looking really solid there at the position and has you wondering, is this fine until Rokio gets here? Am I cool with this until whenever that is? And this bridge is perfectly capable of, of getting us there? I don't know. But yeah, the, the outfield will continue to be a, a place to, to watch. And for the Guardians, there might be more people watching, at least at the end of the year, if they sign up for Bally Sports Plus. Do you think, uh, so I think it's $20 is the, the price point they're looking at. They've already, they had rolled this out previously in a few other markets to see how it would go. I believe, and people can correct me if this is wrong, I don't think the Guardians are included yet. I think that will start next year. I'm not positive. I believe off the bat it's just the Cavs and the Blue Jackets. I don't know. It doesn't really I, matter because it's the end of the season anyway. Yeah, I, the main <laughs> point is, point. you know... Uh, I don't think this changes much. <laughs> like I think um, people who, whether you cut the cord or not, you know, it's it's another streaming option, and it's 
it's something you preview like it's not like you can watch um paw patrol during the day when you're not watching the guardians at night right so i i, I don't know i just I, I wonder and maybe this isn't a discussion for this podcast but just like what what's the end game here where like every single is it going to be every single show has its own streaming service like yeah Next thing you know, some jerks on a podcast will be asking you to pay them a dollar per episode, and you got to <laughs> find their podcast feed. Yeah, load I just it up. I haven't done any market research on this. Um, I'd just be curious to know. By the way, as we record this, I did just get official confirmation on Nolan Jones being optioned to AAA. Um, nothing like live recordings. So, I just I, I'm curious. I would be interested to know because. You know, there are a couple ways to get Bally's the way it is now. Like, so I needed it just in case, you know, if there's a road trip I didn't make or it was huge during parental leave to be able to watch the games. And we we had cut the cord a few years ago, um, but it, we ended up getting AT&T TV, which changed to DirecTV Stream, I think it's called. Um and it's like the same price we were paying for Hulu or whatever we had. So, but then Bally's Plus is going to be in addition to that. So then it, do I still need DirecTV Stream or should I go back to something else that I had? Like it's, I don't know. This doesn't feel like it's simplifying the process at all. I guess it's available to anybody who did cut the cord. Um, so I... I don't know. Help me out. I'm talking in circles. I'm. I guess my point is, <laughs> like, I know. I'm assuming ratings are down from where they were a few years ago before this was a big issue. Mm. Is this going to help it? You think? Like, is this? Is it more accessible because you don't have to have a specific cable carrier to get it? But are people well, here, going to want to pay the extra? Here's what I can speak to, personal experience, because I can't speak for anybody else. I can't explain how people are going to spend their money or what what other streaming services they have, what they deem to be something they have to have. I don't know. I can only speak for me. When they changed it this year, it used to be I, I we could watch on our Spectrum. We have Spectrum streaming. We don't have like a box and an actual cable service. We just have streaming with a number of channels. And we could still watch the Guardians game through Spectrum up to the middle toward the end of May, perhaps, and then that was it. I have to jump through 30,000 hoops to watch Guardians games. And it's led to a lot more listening on the radio or on my phone because I'm not, I, I don't always have the access to 30,000 hoops that I got to jump through to get it done. I would, based on the way our setup is, we, we don't want cable television. We don't want a whole service. We don't need all those channels. We don't watch anything like that. I would need it for Guardians and that's it. So from my perspective, I would be willing to pay you just to have the Guardians because otherwise in the past I would have to pay $70, $80 for YouTube TV, which they're not on there anymore. I don't watch any of those channels. I'm doing it just for the Guardians. So with the way the blackouts are you can't go get MLB TV and, and watch and stream Guardian stuff when you're in the, the, the viewing area. I don't know if this will be a positive or a negative, but I can speak from my own experience. I will be partaking in it because it's easier than having to sign up for a whole satellite service that we just don't use. It's, it's not worthwhile to me. So, yeah, I, I would pay you $20 for just the one thing as opposed to needing to spend 80, 90, $100 on cable TV or satellite packages that just do not make sense for our use case. It's just very interesting. You know, it's, it's interesting how all this has evolved in a short period of time. I mean, now you're paying for Netflix, you're paying for Amazon, you're paying for HBO Max, you're paying for Apple TV, you're paying for Peacock. It's a lot. And then I wonder if like over time, some of those will bundle together and then 
everything just becomes one and then it splits up into a million <laughs> things again and then it bundles History together and repeats itself yeah <laughs> the hardest thing for me is remembering like what's on what yeah yeah uh, trying to like explain when my parents would come over and watch the kids and explain to them how they have to access all the different things that you might need to get to. Thankfully, the kids are six and four now, and they know how to work these electronics better than me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> their, their whole life, they, they grow up with it. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I think of me trying to watch a Guardians game, and it's like, if anybody cared any less than me, would they be doing this? Hell no, they wouldn't be doing it. So how is it good for the game? Blackouts and art, this gets me really frustrated with the way that the baseball makes it so difficult to watch the damn product. I'm, I, I want to watch your sport and you make it so difficult. And it goes back to when they left a lot of the streaming services. And up to this point, I've, I've been extremely frustrated. So if this at least means that I'm going to have an easier way to watch games, I'm thankful. I, I don't know if anyone else will join me, but I I will be doing it because it makes sense for me. Well, you would have loved to be able to watch this guy on the new Bally's Plus. Hit that sounder. And now it's time for the random Cleveland used to play here guy of the day. This is a good one. Hope we haven't done him before. We probably have. But a pitcher, 2016, he made two appearances for Cleveland. What the hell? <laughs> what? You covered that team every day. You remember them two fondly. Appearances? Yeah. Two appearances. You don't remember every moment of that season? <laughs> two appearances. Oh, shout out to, uh, it's not this guy, but shout out to Percy Garner who gave my YouTube it's like going back through some statistics of old videos I had on my YouTube channel. Uh, Percy Garner one where he first got to the major leagues got me like 5,000 views. <laughs> like, <laughs> How did that happen? But I think just it probably got shared on a, a local somewhere where Percy, wherever Percy Garner was from, I don't remember now, probably shared that and all his friends and family watched the interview. So it like inflated my numbers and made it look amazing. This guy's major league debut came the day after that 19-inning marathon on Canada Day. That Cleveland won on a Carlos Santana home run. Cost Jabba Chamberlain his job. This was a pitcher. No, I'm saying, didn't Santana hit the game winner off? Sorry, a position player that was pitching. Sorry. Ryan Goins. Uh, So this guy made two appearances in 2016. He went four and two-thirds, six runs, nine hits, five walks, five strikeouts. And that was it until 2021 when he made four appearances for Miami. And he had a 9.58 ERA in 10 innings. What the hell? Are you kidding me? The two appearances know. in 2016, that July 2nd game, three and two-thirds of relief against Toronto, came back a month later in Yankee Stadium. One inning of relief, four runs, four walks, three hits. That's a lot. It's a lot of traffic in one yeah. inning. That was a 13-7 yeah, loss that day. Clearly tried to block out all of this. Do you remember in his Major League debut what else happened that day? July 2nd, the day the Indians' 14-game winning streak came to an end? No, no idea. Rajay Davis hit for the cycle. Oh. One of the more flown-under-the-radar milestones. Did Rajay ever do anything else with Cleveland when he was here? (sighs) No, just said, boom. A lot. Bang. Boom. So Cleveland lost 13-7 to the Yankees in this person's second appearance. I'm going to read you the lineup from that day. 
It's fun to reminisce. Because leading off the DH, Carlos Santana. Jason Kipnis hit second. Lindor third. Napoli fourth. Some kid who was having a breakout season. OPS, almost <sighs> 800. Named Jose Ramirez. Get that guy higher. Get, get him higher in the order. My God. Lonnie Chisenhall sixth. Tyler Naquin seventh. Abraham Almonte eighth. And Chris Jimenez ninth. And he hit a three-run homer that day. Oh, man. I think that interview just wrapped up <laughs> post-game from that. What a gold mine. Such a great yeah, person was to not, talk to. I was not shocked when I heard him on uh, Sirius XM one night. <laughs> of course, this guy, of course he's now going to be talking about baseball. It's what this dude did better than anybody. You know, this person's still only 29. He was a 19th rounder in 2011. His middle name is Peter. I'm, I'm not going to get this, man. The team released him in July of 2018. He latched on with the Blue Jays, then the Marlins. And don't we all want to know where he is now? Well, the answer is Korea. I believe that's the South. Korea. Also China. Pitched pretty well there. Any guesses? You got a big reveal for me because I'm I'm not getting this. Drum roll. Sean Moramondo. Oh uh, well, that was it. I I in my head I had envisioned or memories of him pitching more. But now that you mention it, I I finally remember that. Better you than me. I had no recollection of him being in the majors. Yeah, I, I thought it was actually a few more appearances, so that tripped me up. You got me. It's cool to like tell your grandkids, yeah, the, the team ran out of pitchers the night before, so they called on me to save their bullpen the next day and just get tattered. And that was it. How did it go, Grandpa? <laughs> Let's not talk about that. But that's cooler than anything we've done. Uh, it's def- it went much better than this show did. <laughs> Want to talk more cool tonight? It'd be so much better than 25 to 30 minutes on Miles Straw. How the hell did we ha- let that happen? Give us another try later this week at Patreon, please. <laughs> Join or us in the team. Discord. Bye. <laughs>